And there's intimacy on the radio and there's naturalness on the radio that can never be replicated on TV. The marvelous resurgence of radio as a political force in this country. News-related radio programming is evolving. There's a huge hole in our dialogue that can be filled by the synthesis of traditional radio and the freedom that comes from a live podcast. You're about to experience Cowboy State Politics Live. Here we go. Good morning, my friends, and welcome to yet another scintillating installment of Cowboy State Politics Live. I, of course, am your illustrious host, David Iverson, firmly ensconced behind the silver Cowboy State Politics microphone and broadcasting to you from the depths of the Middle Swamp in Wyoming's capital of Cheyenne. Well, good morning, my friends, and welcome to the program. This is our first episode broadcasting to you from the swamp. And I can't tell you, I've, I'm really excited about this whole thing. Yeah, so I've moved Cowboy State Politics headquarters down to our central command, and I'll be here through the duration of the legislative session. Of course, every once in a while, we'll have to go back to Cowboy State Politics Central uh, just for a few days so I can, you know, take a shower and get rid of all this swampy stuff off of me. Well, my friends, We've had a victory, you know, albeit a small one. But for a while, I've been telling you about all these changes to the rules that all of the Redcoats want to make. And I have to tell you, all of them are just nothing more than a power grab. Of course, they're all clothed in procedure and, and uh, fairness and accountability, or at least that's what they're telling everybody. But the truth of the matter is the Redcoats see that they have probably one election until they are out of power. The state of Wyoming took a dramatic shift to the right in this past election, and we replaced several incumbents who were the very definition of redcoats. For example, take, for instance, Shelley Duncan from Goshen County. Now, Shelley Duncan claimed to be a conservative all the whole time that she was in there for, I think she was in there for two terms. But the truth is, Shelley Duncan was a Democrat who could not get elected in Goshen County, and so she switched parties to become a Republican. And what do you know? She got elected. Well, the whole time that she was in the legislature, she insisted that she is the conservative one, even though she voted for all manner of, of liberal things. I think that the, the couple of things that she did vote for that are conservative causes, and you would, be a, you would be a moron to vote against these in the state of Wyoming, were gun measures, and perhaps there was an abortion bill or two that she voted for. But as it turns out, she sided with the Democrats the vast majority of the time that she was in the legislature. Well, my new friend, Scott Smith, Representative Scott Smith, defeated her pretty handily, actually, in, uh, well, the truth is, in the primary, I think he won by 80-some votes. And then in the general election, he won by uh, quite, a, quite a larger margin. Well, now, Shelley Duncan is the lobbyist for Wyoming Equality, the number one LGBTQIAZ, whatever it is, lobby in the state of Wyoming. Yep, the real conservative is now the lobbyist for the least conservative outfit in the state. Well, anyway, in the, in the past election, we replaced a lot of these people. And those few that, that survived, well, they're none too happy about it because now the House of Representatives is pretty well split down the middle. Now they have a slight majority um, on, on the left-hand side of things. But really, 
I mean, power is pretty well balanced in the House of Representatives, and they just couldn't have that. So they they uh, trumped up this whole idea to change the rules to benefit them. And what they were trying to do was overrule the uh, the discretion of the majority floor leader, because the majority floor leader, they were pretty sure, was going to end up being a conservative. And they were right. Chip Nyman won that race. Chip Nyman is a very conservative representative from Crook County. Well, so what they decided to do is change the rules or the manual of legislative procedures so that he could be overruled with a simple majority. That is mob rule. You know, majority wins in all of that. Well, it was uncovered by a couple of representatives who contacted me, your illustrious host, and then I made a big stink about it and did several episodes and explained exactly what they were doing and why they were doing it and why it is an absolute affront to Wyoming citizens. So now those who are in power have decided that they're going to lay off the debate on those rule on those procedure changes for 10 days, you know, just so everybody can read through them and understand exactly what's going on. My friends, this is a win for us. The reason I say it's a win for us is it was we Wyoming citizens who put the pressure on all of these representatives and said that we're not going to allow them to take power like they have in the past that we're not going to allow them to do whatever it is that they want to do in the House of Representatives. So they've decided to put that vote off for 10 days. And given, given how many conservatives are in the House, 10 days is all they'll need to persuade everybody to vote against them. So my friends, this is a win for us. And you did that. You, my friends, you are the ones that made the phone calls to all of the representatives and and explained to them how outraged we were. You are by far the most active and, in my opinion, important audience in the state of Wyoming. And so I thank you. Thank you very much for getting up off your tail and picking up your phone and making your voice be heard. This is how we end up winning. So thank you very much. Well, I've got a good show planned for you today, and most of it is going to revolve around what it is to be a conservative. Uh, Everybody that ran for office this last election claimed to be a conservative, though many of them have no idea what that word actually means. And so to begin, let's go to the 1828. What does it mean to be a conservative? Uh, Let's see here. There's about 14 definitions. Oh, wait, no, I'm wrong. There's only a couple of them. A conservative, quote, is preservative, having power to preserve in a safe and entire state from loss, waste, or injury. So if we put that in the political context, what that means is that we want to preserve what is the Constitution. We don't want it changed. We don't want to do away with it. We want to follow it. And we want and we expect our elected representatives to follow along with it. And so that essentially is what a conservative is folks that value the Constitution and traditional values. Those traditional values, of course, being life. We all conservatives, all real conservatives, believe in the sanctity of life, that life it begins at conception and it ends at natural birth. And frankly, my friends, if we can't agree on that, then there's very, uh, there's very few other things that we can agree on. That's the essential starting principle of conservatism. And then everything flows from that. You know, traditional family values, that the best family is a man and a woman to raise children. 
and that through that that family relationship, people learn what it is to be you know a productive member of society. And we conservatives believe that that's the best environment. We believe in personal freedom, in that you have the the ability to make your own decisions for you, and they need not be made by the government. In fact, the government that governs best governs least. And so as conservatives, we think the government should remain small and only cover those things that are absolutely necessary. The truth is, my friends, that government only has a couple of very small jobs. Roads, fire, water, sanitation, police. We have to have police and, you know, to just kind of administer the city. You know, so if you think about your your own local community, your city government really doesn't have that many jobs. They're not to um, get involved in the day-to-day activities of your life. And so it should be with the state government and the federal government. The The government that governs best governs least. So those are just a couple of things um, that we conservatives believe in. And so the theme of today's installment of Cowboy State Politics Live is conservatism. But what I want to do is kind of bounce around a couple of stories that I've been kind of holding on to for a few days and just tell tell you about them. A couple of them we may have talked about a little on the program, uh, but uh, just a couple of quick stories from PJ Media. And this one it was from the begin the end of last year in an article entitled Wyoming Sheriff Defies Biden's Deportation Rule and Makes Illegal Immigrants Serve His 125 Year Term. That's what I said, my friends, 125 years. Quote, remember this story. Next time your progressive blue-haired brother-in-law calls you a racist for wanting the southern border closed. Illegal immigrant Louis Saavedra Villa, a 44-year-old registered sex offender with a history of previous deportations, snuck back into our country and raped an 18-year-old girl in Wyoming. Villa kidnapped the young girl and brought her to a McDonald's in his truck while her mother was working. He is a known family acquaintance. After their meal, Villa locked the doors of his truck so his young victim couldn't escape and then violently raped the girl. He then forced her to clean her own blood from his truck. Pretty horrifying, isn't it, my friends? So the girl was found and taken to the hospital for emergency surgery. Quote, it was one of the most egregious things I have ever seen, Sweetwater County, Wyoming Sheriff John Grosnicki stated. Quote, he was just allowed back into the country, Grosnicki continued. We had no idea that he was in Sweetwater County and received no communication of that. Under the Biden regime, illegal immigrants are practically free to come and go as they please. But it wasn't always like that. Sheriff Grosnicki had more to say, quote, during the Trump administration, we actively had federal authorities in our community working with us to enforce federal law, federal immigration law, simply on the basis of undocumented status, which is to say they came in because they were looking for someone who they knew was here illegally, and they were taking enforcement action on the basis of that immigration status in and of itself. The current administration and very and very similar to our experiences with the Obama administration, in that there is no active cooperation to enforce federal immigration law simply on the basis of someone's documented or undocumented status. Now, the focus is only exclusively after they come here illegally and then commit serious felony-level crime. It's only felony-level crime by undocumented immigrants that triggers involvement from the feds. The sheriff went on. What bothers me about this case, more than anything, is that it didn't have to happen. Sweetwater County Attorney Dan 
I have no idea how to pronounce his last name. But anyway, he's the Sweetwater County attorney, and he told the Daily Caller. And the damage of that fact is these decisions are being made far away in Washington, D.C. They don't really care. And so Sheriff Grosnicki decided that after Villa was sentenced to 125 years in prison, thanks to the Sweetwater County Sheriff's Department, a twice he via a twice convicted rapist we know they pop they'll, he'll be popular in jail and he'll die in an american prison it's not that hard obviously to get back in the country sheriff grosnicki stated so it was really an effort by law enforcement and prosecutors to seek the maximum sentence possible to do what we could do and everything within our power and our laws to ensure that we wouldn't ever have the he wouldn't ever have the opportunity to victimize somebody in this way ever again. And so, Via will be incarcerated in the state of Wyoming for the duration, the end of his life, as it should be. Thank you to that Sweetwater County Sheriff. Now there's this. Representative Dan Crenshaw has finally got what he deserved. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, during the whole Kevin McCarthy debacle, uh, Representative Crenshaw made some pretty disparaging remarks about you and me. Just as a refresher, here's what he had to say. This handful of members is uh, uh, very clearly looking for notoriety over principle. And that's what it is. And anyone who suggests differently is in some kind of make-believe fantasy reality. It's not, it's not true. They lost those debates. That should have been the end of it because that's how a team works, right? You hash this stuff out, figure it out. And then you move on. But if you're a narcissist, if you're a narcissist and you believe that your opinion is so much more important than everyone else's, then you'll keep going. And you'll threaten to tear down the team for for the benefit of the Democrats just because your own sense of self-importance. That's exactly what's happening to you. We will not vote for anyone. People think they're stubborn or worse. They, they think they're not going to get the communities there. Obviously, they won't. But it's going to be so much worse than that. You know, they are enemies. They have they have made it clear that they prefer a Democrat agenda and Republican one. We are enemies. We are narcissists. We are not going to get any committees. Well, it would appear that the Republicans that took power in the House didn't really appreciate Representative Dan Crenshaw's comments. From justthenews.com, and if you don't know who Just the News is, that's John Solomon. I mean, he's an incredible investigative journalist, and I really encourage you uh, to, go, to go visit his site, Just the News. And by the way, while we're talking about news sites that you should visit, you should really go check out the, the uh, Wa uh, Wyoming News Chronicle. It's a new website that's been launched this month, and it's just going to be straight Wyoming news. Uh, and opinion, of course. Um, but we've got journalists from across the state, and the goal is to have a journalist in all 23 counties to just report what is going on without opinion or bias. We leave the uh, bias and the opinion to the opinion page of the website. You remember how newspapers used to be that, uh, yeah, you would have news and then opinion? Well, that's how this is going to be. So go check that out, too. From justthenews.com, in an article entitled, Crenshaw Loses Key Chairmanship to GOP Representative Green After Calling Colleagues Terrorists. Quote, House Republicans rejected Texas GOP Representative Dan Crenshaw to chair the House Homeland Security Committee following his much-aligned labeling of dissident GOP lawmakers as terrorists. 
Crenshaw was a vocal critic of House Republicans who opposed the leadership of now House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and repeatedly derided them as grifters and performance artists. Last week, when while McCarthy struggled to win over their support, his vitriol reached a peak in a Wednesday interview with Fox News's Guy Benson, in which he referred to them as terrorists. He has since apologized. But apparently his apology didn't go very far because he lost his chairmanship over it. It's too bad that he couldn't lose more than that. Dan Crenshaw, I used to think that he was a conservative. I mean, come on, veteran, lost his eye in combat. I mean, how much more American could you get? Well, as we in the cowboy state are very, very experienced in this whole shtick, he claimed to be a conservative, when really what he was is an establishment liberal, one of the, one of the redcoats, and he, my friends, has to go. So in Texas, if you're listening, um, you probably need to get rid of that guy. He's not doing you any favors. After the break, we're going to start talking about the Biden administration considering a nationwide ban on gas stoves. Now, they've since backed off of that, but I want to talk about it just for a little bit. So we'll do that after the break. Cowboy State Politics is your source for fair, true journalism in the state of Wyoming. I know it's crazy to think that the most conservative state in the country only has one really conservative news outlet, and you're listening to it. Now, you can listen to the podcast on any of your favorite podcasting apps, iHeartRadio, iTunes, TuneIn, really any of them will work. But the easiest way is just to go to the website, CowboyStatePolitics.com. There, you can find all of the shows, as well as any of the articles that I might bring up during the course of a program. If you're one of these guys that thinks that you're informed because you pay attention to the Wyoming press, well, what you need to do is go to CowboyStatePolitics.com, pull up an article, and educate yourself and find out that you've been wrong all along. Yeah, I know. It's probably going to hurt your feelings, but sometimes that's necessary. Just ask the Redcoats. New episodes of the program are published every Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday morning. And then every Thursday at 10 a.m., Cowboy State Politics Live. You know, the program you're listening to right now. I cover mostly national issues on the Thursday program. You know, the stuff that we don't get to at other points during the week. You can find the link to the live program at CowboyStatePolitics.com or on the Cowboy State Politics Facebook page. So check out all the Cowboy State Politics episodes every single week. And now, back to the program. By now, just about everybody has heard how the Biden administration was considering a nationwide ban on gas stoves. Fascinating, huh? From the Daily Caller, in an article published July 9th entitled, Biden Administration Considering Nationwide Ban on Gas Stoves, and I quote, Gas-burning stoves, which are present in 35% of national households, account for 12.7% of childhood asthma cases in the United States, presenting a similar asthma risk that is caused by exposure to secondhand cigarette smoke, according to a December 22, uh, 2022 study published in the International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health. The CPSC may prevent gas stoves from being manufactured and important, imported, or it could introduce new regulations to limit the emissions produced by these appliances, according to Bloomberg. This is a hidden hazard, said Richard Trumpka, a CPSC commissioner, as he told Bloomberg. Now, who is Richard Trumpka? Well, Richard Trumpka is, is or was the president of AFL-CIO. 
You know, the labor union. Yeah, yeah. Richard Trumka had more visits to the Obama White House than anyone else. He is a radical activist, and now it seems that he's found a place in one of President Biden's environmental debacles. You know, the same one that John Kerry is uh, is managing right now. So Richard Trumka is not an expert by any means. He's a labor union leader. He's an activist. Well, the article continues from Richard Trumka, quote, my guiding duty is protecting consumer health and safety. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm sure. Gas stoves can emit dangerous levels of toxic chemicals, even when they're not in use. And the USCPSC, I love all their acronyms. Who would have thought the guy that runs AFL-CIO would be interested in acronyms? But anyway, so he, he says the subcommittee chair um, will also be managing this effort. And so, my friends, this has very little to do with gas stoves. This has everything to do with control, which is exactly what the Redcoats want to do with everything. You see, it's not that they really care about the environment, because if they did, they wouldn't be doing many of the things that they are. The reason why they're going after gas stoves is there is one in one at le- over one-third of American households. It is control that they are after. Ask yourself this. Everybody pretty much knows or everybody with a brain pretty much knows, that the vaccine, what they're calling the vaccine, really is not effective. Now we're seeing cases of people dropping dead after they've had the vaccination. And so the question you should ask yourself, in my opinion, is what is in that vaccine? What is in that shot that they are so dead set and determined to make sure that everybody gets? Ask yourself that. If it were just a vaccine and it worked, they wouldn't have to force everybody to do it. They wouldn't have to fire people if they didn't get the vaccine. So what is in it? What is their main goal? Well, their their main goal is control, control of everything. So on the Casper Star Tribune, the Red Stars website yesterday, there was a podcast entitled, What is Conservatism? And I, I happened upon it and thought that this would be a good opportunity to discuss exactly what it means to be a conservative. Now, the guy that, you're, that they're talking to is Bill, Bill Crystal. Now, you might remember Bill Crystal. He was one of the founding members of National Review, who years and years ago, National Review used to be like the conservative news outlet. But after Trump got elected, and quite frankly, before Trump got elected, they just turned into the anti-Trump um, newsletter. Really, that's what it was. Everybody that was involved was virulent, virulent, virulently anti-Trump. And so that every article they published was, um, you know, orange man bad. They didn't talk very much about the conservative issues at all. So in this podcast, and it's entitled, What is a Conservative? Um, It's on a program called the Utterly Moderate Podcast, which I'm barf. Anyway, here's what Bill Kristol said a conservative is. I think first we should establish what in the heck conservative politics are. So in your opinion... What does it mean to be a conservative? What are the core principles and beliefs from your perspective? Usually people say modern American conservatives dates from 1955, the founding of the National Review, Gold War campaign in 64, neoconservatives come on board in the 70s, uh, Reagan runs in 76 and wins in 80. And, you know, so that's kind of the American conservative movement lasts certainly through the Bush presidency um, and into you know, Romney, Paul Ryan, and then it's a question mark where, where we stand today. 
Romney and Paul Ryan. Do any of the, do either of those two names strike the strike the tone of conservatism in your mind? When you think of a conservative, do you really think of Mitt Romney? Of course you don't. Or Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan is one of the guys that perpetuated the uh, all the rules in the House that prevented debate on the House floor. Would a conservative do that? Would a conservative that focuses on the Constitution do that? Of course they wouldn't. No, we're interested in op- free and open debate and following what the Constitution says. And if you notice what Bill Crystal was saying here is that it started with Buckley and uh, and Reagan and anti-communism. But did you notice what he didn't mention? The, the fundamental pr- principles that I spoke about at the very beginning of this show, that the, that the founding principle, the founding value of conservatism is life. That's the number one thing from, from conception to natural birth. But he doesn't mention that. You notice that he doesn't, he doesn't mention fundamental liberties. He doesn't mention the Second Amendment or any uh, family values or anything of the sort. But rather, he focuses on policy. So what that tells you is that all of these people that are screaming that they're the conservatives, really, they're thinking about policies that are enacted in their favor. That's exactly what they mean. And so when people go against, when, when new politicians such as President Trump go against their policies because they find their policies fundamentally wrong, well, then they, they can't have that. Now, the other component of this is that Bill Crystal and, and quote, unquote, journalists like him make a tremendous amount of money off of um, establishment, um, you know, establishment Republican ideals. Okay, not conservative ideals, establishment. So think about Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney, Dick Cheney, and all of their buddies make a tremendous amount of money off of the defense industry. And and if you want to know why they're always in favor of wars for reasons that don't necessarily pan out, it's because they make a tremendous amount of money. So the conservatism or quote unquote conservatism that Bill Crystal is talking about here really is about making money with policy decisions, and it's not about fundamental values. Now, at the beginning of the show, I read you the definition of what it means to be a conservative out of the 1828 dictionary. It doesn't mention anything about policy. It 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 uh, specifically talks about fundamental values. And essentially, that is what conservatism is, a belief in the Constitution, a belief in freedom, and a belief in traditional values, uh, family values, the Second Amendment, all of those things. But when you when you hear people like Bill Crystal, the Casper Star Tribune, and an article I'm going to mention here in just a minute, um, they're not really talking about conservatism. Okay, that's a label that they use to get elected. And if you'll notice what happens in Wyoming elections, um, it's thrown around by just about everybody, that everybody's a conservative because they know that the vast majority of Wyoming people are conservative and they're not going to vote for somebody who isn't. And so to get elected, you have to have that label. So in this next in this next piece of sound, it's Bill Crystal again. He's talking about President Trump. And I want you to listen very carefully to this. What are the key ways that you see the GOP um, being misaligned with the core principles and beliefs of conservatism today? I mean, I just think if you're a serious person in terms of thinking about ideas and principles, you you don't pledge allegiance to a party no matter what. You don't pledge allegiance to a flint no matter what. You, you, you give them. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on right there. So what he's saying is you don't pledge allegiance to one one individual. And so that's the argument that they use out of um, – 
to get their whole anti-Trump th- thing moved along. That, well, you know, we don't have allegiance to one pe- one person or one one set of principles or one party. That would be ridiculous. That would mean that we're not conservative. But that's the argument that they use to get out of um, their anti-Trump bias, right? All of us look at that and say, well, how could you possibly um, support an increase in regulations? How could you do that? I mean, President Trump cut regulations, you know, by the truckload. Of course, I'm being being a little bit, I mean, exaggerating a little bit. But the point here is, how could you be against that? How could you be a never Trumper? Well, it's for the very reasons that I mentioned before. Let's continue. Leeway because it's been the movement you've been part of, and you think there are a lot of good people. They can go off the rails a little, but you'll stick with them and help them get back on the rails. That's fine. But you can't give anyone, any movement, any party, any leader, any group of leaders a blank check, I don't think. And so I think Trump really is a, a you know, an authoritarian deviation from uh, certainly the best of the conservative movement. There were elements of it there already that he got. Okay, so what is what is so authoritarian? authoritarian about President Trump. What is an authoritarian? Well, the classic examples would be like Benito Mussolini or Adolf Hitler or Joseph Stalin or um, uh, Maduro or, you know, there's all sorts of dictators across the world that we could classify as authoritarian. So what are what are the um, characteristics of that Trump has that make him authoritarian? Well, Well, there aren't any. I mean, he didn't didn't mandate that people do things. He see, I think he went off the rails with the whole vaccine thing, uh, but that's what he believed. But there wasn't a mandate with it. He didn't want to, um, you know, invade anybody's anybody's personal liberties. Instead, everything was up to personal choice. Now, the one place that he may have been authoritarian is with his reduction of government. Now, if you if you're sitting in the perspective of Bill Crystal and you're making money off of all of these establishment Republican ideals and you believe in wars that don't with reasons that don't exactly pan out, well then you might see that Trump's insistence that we get out of those wars or that we reduce regulations that make you a whole bunch of money or that we we actually abide by the constitution or that we respect people's individual liberty and if you're fundamentally opposed to those to those ideas well then you might consider trump an authoritarian but when you hear that phrase trump is a dictator trump is an authoritarian all of those things what they're talking about is his opposition to the establishment um establishment principles uh, principles is probably the wrong word, but the establishment policies that make people a, t- a ton of money. So when you look at Washington, D.C. as a whole, um, a, a great example is Harriet Hegeman has talked about the Uniparty um, quite a bit in a couple of different interviews. Uh, the ones I'm thinking about were before she was actually elected. But but in a lot of her appearances, she would go on to explain that the Republicans, the ones in power in Congress, and the Democrats really don't have that much, there's not that many much difference between them. And it's because they're all in favor of these establishment principles that or these establishment policies that make them a whole bunch of money. Okay, so if you have a president in office who is opposed to all of that, of course, you're going to call him an authoritarian. But of course, all of us disagree with all of that stuff on the establishment side anyway. But there's a really good reason why they use that argument. And now the secondary reason for it is authoritarian is one of those one of those words that has really negative connotations to it. You see, my friends, words have power. Have you ever noticed that the number one um, the number one attack from people on the left is to call you a racist? The reason why they do that is they don't have to have any evidence to back up what they're saying. 
you say the word racist and it has such negative connotations to it, to that word that the person you're accusing has to defend themselves. And I say, well, of course I'm not a racist. And then the burden is on them. You see, it's one of those words, an authoritarian is one of those, that you don't have to provide any reasoning for it. And that's why people on the left use it, because it conjures up negative connotations in the minds of most people. And the reason why it works is most people do not do not read into the article. They look at the headline and say, oh, well, you know, Trump did this, therefore he's an authoritarian, right? So they don't they don't read into the article and figure out what the argument is. See, all of these all of these attacks on conservatives that you're seeing from Dan Crenshaw, Bill Kristol, um, any of them, none of them have any any analysis to them or there's nothing there to back them up. So in this next article that I'm going to read to you after the mid-episode break, um, it comes from the Jackson Hole News and Guide, and it's a perfect example of what I've been talking about. So we'll do that after the mid-episode break. We'll get back to the program in just a few seconds. But first, a completely obscene profit timeout. Cowboy State Politics is brought to you by the company that makes the warmest socks that I've ever worn, the Buffalo Wool Company. This morning here at Cowboy State Politics Central Command, it was a shocking 12 degrees. That's 12. Not 21. Not 72. 12. I went out to start my car so I could run and get something for breakfast, and I may have been out there 30 seconds. And my entire body was cold. I even had my winter coat on and my gloves. But the one part of me that was not cold was my feet. That's because I was wearing my new favorite socks, socks from the Buffalo Wool Company. As a matter of fact, as I transmit my voice from the silver cowboy state politics microphone through the interwebs to your ear, I'm wearing a pair of Buffalo Wool Company socks. Now, if you're like me and you have problems keeping your feet warm, you should really consider getting a pair of socks from the Buffalo Wool Company. You can go to their website, thebuffalowoolco.com. Trust me, you're not going to be disappointed. That's the Buffalo Wool Company. As you no doubt are keenly aware, I'm a fan of just about any Wyoming company. Just about, I said. And one of them you should really check out is New Trend Hats. They're a company that's based in Kemmerer. They make those hats with a really cool ponytail hole on top of them. And right now they have a wide selection of hats for both men and women. Being as cold as it is, you definitely don't want your ears to get cold either. So go check out New Trend Hats. I'm sure you'll find one to keep those ears of yours nice and toasty warm. That's New Trend Hats. And now, back to the program. Well, check this one out. From the Jackson Hole News and Guide, an article, and this, this was published yesterday, an article entitled, Lawmakers Stake Priorities in Divided Legislature, Abortion Access, State Lands, and Property Tax Relief Among the Top Issues in a Divided Capital. Now, the reason why I bring this up is it's striking because it, because it comes from Jackson. Now, real quick story before I get into the article. I was invited to speak at a Republican event in Teton County, and I showed up and it was um, it was a bunch of can their candidates talking to a crowd. And, you know, I realized I'm from Buffalo, Wyoming, and Buffalo is totally different than Jackson, though. I mean, it's changing a little bit. But around Buffalo, Sheridan, my neck of the woods, um, if you're a rhino, 
most of the time, unless your name is Barry Crago, <laughs> uh, you'll be you'll be called out for it uh, pretty quickly, right? People uh, listen to what others are what others say, and we recognize um, those. Um, those arguments right out. So what happened is all these candidates are up there and they're they're giving their speeches and not a single one of them was conservative. You know, it was all of these establishment ideas that I joined the Republican Party. But, you know, I'm kind of squishy on abortion. And, you know, maybe maybe we need to increase funding for education, even though they get one point seven seven billion dollars. Um, and, and so there's all of these moderate, squishy ideas that they were espousing. So, you know, what counts for conservative in Teton County really is redcoat. OK, so back to the article, quote. Teton County lawmakers have convened in Cheyenne to work on issues such as property tax relief, abortion access, and state land use, but they will do so in a Wyoming legislature deeply divided, get this, between conservatives and ultra-conservatives. Let me read that to you again. In a, in a Wyoming legislature deeply divided between conservatives and ultra-conservatives. Okay, so remember at the beginning of the episode, I was talking about Shelley Duncan. Shelley Duncan and her ilk um, maintained the entire time they were in the legislature that they were the conservative ones. Okay, really what they meant is they are the liberal Republicans. And so what the, what the Jackson Hole News and Guide here is doing is saying, well, you know, you know, those people in power, they're really conservative. And the folks that got elected, well, they're right-wing extremists. They're ultra conservatives. They're mega conservatives. Of course, they don't use that term in the article. But if you look at the at the Wyoming House of Representatives, it really is split between the left and the right. If you go to cowboystatepolitics.com and look underneath the show content tab, I posted the, the seating chart. And if you look at the names, you can clearly tell that inadvertently, the new speaker of the House <laughs> the the most liberal speaker of the house in Wyoming's history, Albert Summers, in, unintentionally created two sides of the aisle in the in the Wyoming House. It's fascinating. All the liberal Republicans are on one side, and all the conservative Republicans are on the other. Now, how do you how do you determine who's liberal and her, who's conservative? Well, in Wyoming, there's a, there's a couple different websites that you can use. My personal favorite is wyovote.com, and what they do is they take every roll call vote that's made, so every single one of them, not the bill, but the roll call vote, and they rate it according to the Wyoming Republican Party platform. And so, you know, a bill might uh, let's take for example a gun bill. Okay, it's starting out, it might be pretty conservative. Okay, so that vote gets a conservative ranking. Well, then, if the bill gets amended and kind of watered down a little bit, the next vote wouldn't necessarily be as conservative as the first. And so it would get voted like that, and so on and so forth with all of the bills. Well, if you look at the ratings, um, on the left-hand side of it, it shows the most conservative member of the legislature down to the least conservative member of the legislature. And Albert Somers is way down at the bottom. And if memory serves, he's just a couple of points above all the Democrats in the House. Okay, so really what the Jackson Hole News and Guide here is doing is the same thing that the Casper Star Tribune is doing all of the time with their podcast of what, what is a real conservative. So let me just read you the second paragraph of this article. Legislators outlined their priorities last week in meetings with the Jackson Town Council, the Teton County Board of County Commissioners, and the public. But as the legislature opened its 40-day general session on Tuesday, new Speaker of the House Albert Somers, a Republican from neighboring Sublette County, sounded a note of alarm. 
And this one you guys have heard over and over and over. Quote, at no time in my life have I ever seen the state so divided, Somers, a rancher from Pinedale said during Tuesday's swearing-in ceremony in Cheyenne. We must pull back from the abyss. The bitterness that divides Wyoming is spawned by fear, a fear that is fueled by the inability to discern the truth and by our feeling that voices aren't heard. Okay, the reason why you're hearing all of this civility, um, we're all divided business, is the vast majority of Wyoming citizens have woken up and realized that the folks that they have elected do not conform to conservative ideals. Okay, so there's a number of people in Wyoming, and, and granted, not nearly anywhere close to a majority, um, but they end up being libertarians. And I'm responding to an email I received yesterday. Uh, by the way, um, if you're listening, that was a fascinating email, and I'll get to it when I get a chance. It was fairly long. But here's the problem with libertarians, and a lot of, um, a lot of conservatives would say that they have a libertarian streak in them. I do, okay? I'm on a lot of things. I, I look at the world through a lens of, of liberty. But if you go too far in any direction, um, you end up, it, and imagine it like a pendulum. Okay, you know, a pendulum swings both ways. Well, if you push it too far to one side, it ends up flipping around the top and moving to the other side. Okay, so the difference between libertarianism and conservatism is conservatives are are really interested in liberty. And I know this is a little confusing, but I'm going to try to explain. Okay, so liberty is freedom with restraint. Okay, so for example, you know, we all have, um, okay, the freedom of speech. Perfect example. Okay, you have the right to say anything that you want unless it turns into libel or slander, right? You don't have the right to do that, to say things that are untrue. So those are constraints that we've put on um, our First Amendment right, and we've all agreed on that you, you shouldn't be able to lie about somebody and damage their reputation. So those are constraints that are put on um, by the Constitution and by court decisions. Now, if you went to a strict libertarian view of that, we well, should be able to say anything that you want. Okay, that you shouldn't have, you should have very few constraints on that. And you end up, you, with a strict libertarian view of the world, you end up infringing on other people's rights in the exercise of your own. Now, even the father of libertarianism, or I consider the father of libertarianism, John Stuart Mill, had what he called the harms principle. And simply put, the harms principle is, and you've all heard this phrase, that your rights end where mine begin. That you, uh, you can do anything you want until it inflicts actual harm on another person. And the way that, that Mill put it was that, um, was that you have the freedom to do anything that you want. And the only acceptable use of government force is to prevent harm to another person. Okay, so when, when, what is harm? Well, I mentioned one of them, libel and slander. You're hurting somebody's reputation. So conservatism then is focusing on the Constitution um, and liberty. And we all understand that liberty is freedom with constraints. And if you go too far in the other direction of, of libertarianism, then you, you, the fewer restraints that you, you get on freedom. And then you end up infringing on other people's rights. A lot of libertarians are in favor of legalizing drugs. Because, you know, that's your personal choice, whether you want to ingest, ingest drugs or not. However, we have the problem of those drugs getting into a high school or a middle school. And so there has to be constraints on that liberty. Now, I'm, I'm probably giving you way too, I'm probably painting libertarianism with way too broad of a brush. Um, but that's, that's kind of the high notes. And that's, that's how I see the difference between the two. So when you look at the Wyoming media, 
Um, almost all of them are liberal. Um, just on Wednesday, I did an episode about what the Casper Star Tribune said about Chuck Gray's speech. Um, they claimed that the only thing he talked about was election integrity. Well, that's not true at all. During the episode, I played you in, um, Secretary of State Gray's entire speech. The truth is he only mentioned elect election integrity for a minute or two. And yet the Casper Star Tribune outright lied to him in the very first paragraph of that article or lied about him, not to him. And so what you're seeing here is establishment Republicans who have been in power for a very long time um, attempting to um, convince you that they really are the conservative ones. And anybody who slaps the word conservative on any campaign mailer is, by definition, conservative. And so when you look at this thing in total, you really have to ask questions about people's fundamental beliefs. Where are they on abortion? Where are they on guns? Where are they on the sanctity of your home? Do they believe in the castle doctrine? There's a lot of different questions that need to be asked of all of these politicians. Um, yesterday, when I was walking around the Capitol, it was, it was fascinating because there was a discussion almost all day long of uh, people saying, you know, what, what exactly does it mean to be a conservative? And the answer I gave to all of them is that it all comes down to fundamental beliefs, fundamental uh, beliefs in, in founding principles, life liberty, the pursuit of happiness, personal, um, you know, personal autonomy, um, the, the freedom of opportunity, that you have the opportunity to do anything that you want. We don't believe in equality of outcomes. We believe in, in equality of voting. I mean, we're in the cowboy state after all, and it's an interesting story how, how women got the right to vote, and perhaps I'll cover that on another episode. Uh, but but that, that conversation that was happening yesterday, it really intrigued me um, through the whole day. So um, there's your piece on what, it what exactly it means to be a conservative and the differences. Coming up after our final break, I've got some sound bites for you from this whole document scandal that President Biden is going through. They're really funny. So we'll do that after the break. This segment of the program is brought to you by 307 Cowboy Country. They are Central and Southeastern Wyoming's full line of Montana shed dealers. So if you're looking for just a backyard shed to put all of your summer lawn equipment in, or maybe you need a greenhouse or a garage, you should give my friends Bryce and Melody Reese a call. Their number is 307 441 1815. So it doesn't matter what type of shed that you're looking for. Give Bryce and Melody a call. Again, their number is 307-441-1815. Montana Shed Center, Buildings for Life. Morton Buildings is one of the leading metal building companies in America. They manufacture a lot of their own materials, and they've been doing this longer than anybody else around, and they definitely do it better than anybody else around. So it doesn't really matter if you need a garage or a barn or maybe a roping arena so you can do all of that rodeo stuff when it's 23 below zero, or perhaps a giant warehouse for your business. You should give my friends Nick and Jesse a call at 307-674-2532. Just tell them what you're thinking, and they'll handle all the details. Again, their phone number is 307-674-2532, or you can check them out on their website at mortonbuildings.com. And now, the conclusion to our program. Everybody should be keenly aware of the document scandal that is engulfing President Biden's White House right about now. Now, of course... When President Trump had documents at Mar-a-Lago, well, that was a national security threat. 
But now it it has turned out that President Biden not only had documents at his Penn, Penn Biden Center at the University of Pennsylvania, he also had documents in some other location. And it was broke on Fox News this morning that the place he had those documents was in his garage in Delaware. You know, where he parks his car. Yeah, classified documents, that's okay that they're there. Here is the big difference between what President Trump did and what President Biden did. First of all, Trump was the president, and the president has absolute authority to de- to declassify anything that he wants. Now, President Trump claimed that he just declassified all of those documents before he left office. I haven't seen where we've determined if that's actually true or not, but that's what the man claims. And he was the president, and so he had the ability to do that. Well, all of these documents that are in that were found at the Penn Biden Center in Pennsylvania and at his Delaware home were from the time when he was vice president, meaning he doesn't have the ability, nor did he have the legal authority to declassify anything. And secondly, why those documents were left in an unsecure facility? Well, that seems to be a national security threat, too. Well, there was a funny exchange between Peter Fox News's Peter Ducey and and uh, press secretary Jean Pierre, whatever her heck, heck her name is. Um, anyway, it's pretty funny. Here it is. And then on these documents, how could anyone be that irresponsible? Isn't that what this president says about mishandling classified documents? Okay, wait a minute. Let's find out exactly what. President Biden said about mishandling documents. I should have played this at the beginning and then I totally forgot. But here's what Biden said about the Trump, uh, the Trump controversy with those documents at Mar-a-Lago. When you saw the photograph of the top secret documents laid out on the floor at Mar-a-Lago, what did you think to yourself looking at that image? How that could possibly happen, how anyone could be that irresponsible. And I thought, what data was in there that may compromise sources and methods? By that, I mean names of people who helped, or et cetera. And it's just uh, totally irresponsible. It's totally irresponsible. We should never do that. We can't possibly ever do that. Oh, man, how could that guy have ever been president? Okay, here's Peter Ducey again. And then on these documents, how could anyone be that irresponsible. Isn't that what this president says about mishandling classified documents? The president spoke to this personally. He spoke to this personally. He, again, he believes that uh, classified documents and information should be taken seriously. He takes them seriously. And he was surprised to learn by any any records. Had been. I disagree. I disagree. Here's what happened. Here's what happened once then his work. Well, let me let me explain to you the process. Please, Here's what happened please, when explain. Uh, his lawyers found out that the documents were there. They immediately turned them over uh, to the archives. Oh, that makes it all. They immediately yeah. turned them turned them over to the archives. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go into specifics, but I'm going. I, what I'm reiterating to you is what you heard from the president yourself, Peter, uh, which is how he saw the process and how he respects and truly. Uh, uh, respects and takes this very seriously and when he knew uh, and how surprised he was by it and the actions that uh, the the right actions that the lawyers took. Oh, I see. So if you screw up and you do the wrong thing and then next you do the right thing, well, that means everybody should trust you. 
makes perfect sense to me. It's absolutely hilarious, the Olympic backpedal that they're having to do in this White House. I mean, think about it, right? They went all out. They, the, the Department of Justice raided a former president's home, went through his wife's closet and underwear drawer to find all of these documents because they were a national security threat. And now we have the president of the United States, the same guy who criticized President Trump, doing the exact same thing. You see, my friends, hypocrisy doesn't matter to these people, nor has it ever. When they accuse you of doing something, you should look and see what they are doing, because it's probably the exact same thing. Hypocrisy does not matter to them at all. Only power does. And so where we began this program, and that's and the, the whole Biden thing, that, that thing is just unfolding right now. But where we began this program is the rules were very important to those in power in the Wyoming legislature last year. We couldn't go beyond the rules. We had to follow the rules. And now we're watching them as they are trying to change the rules in their favor. Now, let me explain really quickly why this is so important. Rules exist to, pr to protect the minority in a legislature or any sort of uh, body, a board, the school board, the, the board of the dump that I'm on, anything. Rules exist to protect opinions that are, may not be necessarily popular. Okay, so think about what happened with the Kevin McCarthy thing. Everything that the minority party was doing, the Freedom Caucus, was within the rules. They were using the rules to, to get what they wanted accomplished. And the truth is, they wanted the House of Representatives set back to what it was before John Boehner, to where we could actually debate things on the floor of the House. So they used the rules of that, of that institution to protect their minority rights. And so when you compare that to what's happening in the Wyoming legislature, the folks that are in power, Albert Somers, Dan Zwanitzer, um, all of those redcoats, they are trying to manipulate the rules so that they have an unfair advantage in the Wyoming legislature. Now, I told you that we scored a big win on that in that they're not going to vote on it for about 10 days, but that doesn't mean that it's over. They came up with a loophole saying, well, you know, we could override this with a majority vote. And, you know, it's it's super confusing, but they are trying to manipulate the rules of parliamentary procedure for their own benefit. You see, that's what all redcoats do. They can't get accomplished what they want to do. And so they have to they have to uh, manipulate, manipulate the rules, move the goalposts in the middle of the game. And that's what's happening. So what I encourage you to do is to contact your elected representative and tell them to vote against any rule changes at all. There's no reason why they have to change the rules from last year. Now, you're going to hear all sorts of different arguments um, and, uh, you know, different arguments and reasons why we have to do this. But the truth is they worked just fine when they were in power. They can work just fine now that they don't have that much power. And so when you look at the overall hypocrisy of all of this, President Biden's documents, the rule changes in Cheyenne, it is all the root of the same thing. When Lord Byron said that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely, this is what he was meaning, that once you have power, you will do anything to maintain that power. Now, just one more example. 
So all the first tranche of documents that were revealed from from the Penn Biden Center that happened in no well they found them in November before the election and they didn't notify the American public about them until after the election because they knew that it would influence people's votes as it rightly would have. So you see the folks that are in power just like they are in Cheyenne are doing everything to maintain their power up to and including violating their own rules. But that is why true journalism exists, my friends, to expose what these people are doing. And quite frankly, that is why I moved everything to Cheyenne so that I could report on this for the duration of the legislative session. And I'm going to do that so that um, everybody will understand what's going on, the good, the bad, the ugly, and I've already noticed that there's some people that perhaps you disagree with that I need to talk to uh, just because. And, and, and frankly, it's going, to, it's going to surprise the heck out of you when you find out who I'm talking about. Um, but I want you to get a clear picture of what's happening down here in Cheyenne and to understand what is happening with your government. And the only way to do that is to report right here on the ground. And so I'm going to continue to do that for the next two months. Coming up on Weekend Update, we're going to talk about this rule business a little bit more because there will ha there'll have been two days uh, that there's going to be developments. And I'm pretty excited to get down to the Capitol here in a couple minutes to find out exactly what's been going on. Now, make sure that you subscribe to the program um, and you can do that from the, the CowboyStatePolitics.com. There's a little button up in the corner of the, uh, the episode um, it's called a widget, but the little episode box that has all the all the programs in it. You can subscribe to the episode, and that way you'll be notified when there's a new one coming out. So there's going to be a lot of news that's happening here from the Middle Swamp in Cheyenne, and I'm I'm absolutely excited to bring it to you. So we'll talk again on Saturday. But for now, from the depths of the Middle Swamp in Wyoming's capital of Cheyenne, I'm David Iverson, and this is the one and only. Cowboy State Pop